If you're listening on Thursday, it's Mayo de Cinco. I said it like that just to make you think of. Now, before you believe that I'm weird or don't care, I wish a marvelous weekend to all the moms out there. This is Spectrum West. I'm Al Ross, dipping into your day with news, views, and personalities engaged in the abundant arts, culture, and humanities of western Wisconsin. This week, we have an artistic club sandwich. Three theater companies will supply our bread, between which we'll insert a spring festival and an art tour. It's going to be delicious. The Chippewa Valley Theater Guild is preparing to open Pirates of Penzance. The Earth Arts Spring Tour in the Upper St. Croix Valley is this weekend. The Northern Star Theater in Rice Lake concludes their sensational run of Steel Magnolias now through Sunday. This Saturday is the River Prairie Festival, celebration of art in Altoona. And we begin with the Menominee Theater Guild. Probably able to call the Mabel Tainter Theater their own and their home. And extra special when a play is written specifically to use Mabel Tainter's beauty and design as an ingredient in a stage production. The play Black Friday is about a monumental moment in our nation's history and was penned by local historian, late John Russell, who was able to see it performed in 1976. It remains part of his legacy. Directing the 2022 reprise of Black Friday is another historian, Melissa Neeland. You're a director times two. Tell us more, if you would please, about the historic side of Melissa. Uh, sure, yeah. So I'm the executive director at the Dunn County Historical Society, which is a really wonderful place to be. And we're at the Rossbach Museum and Fulton's Workshop in Wakanda Park. And that's a wonderful place. We're really fortunate to have such a great museum and mm-hmm. to have the community support us. We just opened our Story Lords exhibit. It's been a lot of fun to do something that's more recent history and have people come in and share their recollections and uh, mm-hmm. and stories. And it's a, it's a great thing to get to do a production that's um, embracing history and theater yeah. and getting to work with a local historian as well. I like to uh, get to know guests prior to talking about the specific reason for yakking, which is uh, the play coming up. A little bit more about your historic um, talent. Uh, have you been a historian for a long time? I saw an outdated Facebook posting about an affiliation with Wilson Place Mansion and sure. saw a photo of you with Yatta and his ukulele. and There was just <laughs> lots of stuff there. Your career, your past with history. Cool. Yeah. Past with history. What a cool line. <laughs> I um my undergraduate degree is actually in classical theater okay. uh, with the Guthrie program. And so doing theater and doing the arts has always um, had a historic tint to it. I worked for the Wells Fargo History Museum in the Twin Cities and then the Minnesota Historical Society did education and museum theater there. Then I uh, got to come out and work with the Dot Beth family at Wilson Place, which was wonderful when I moved out to Menominee. And was fortunate enough to start doing some work at the at the historical society here with Frank Smoot, who's now director at the Chippewa Falls Museum. Really got to learn a lot from working with him, and so I've I've been in museums for quite a long time, which is so wonderful. It's got all the different great aspects. It's theater, it's research, it's you know hearing people tell their stories. Yeah. Directing the play Black Friday. I mean that's tailor-made like an Italian suit for you. <laughs> Everything about it. it. It's been really great. Well, and then I was fortunate enough before the pandemic to get to talk with John Russell about it and talk about doing the play. It was really wonderful to get to 
to hear him talk about it and kind of get his blessing to, hmm. to direct it. The play is called Black Friday. It chronicles the final hours of Abraham Lincoln's life at Ford's Theater, originally performed by the Theater Guild in Menominee in 76, written specifically with the Mabel Tainter in mind. I'm trying to get you to tell me a little bit more about the play without giving a heck of a lot of stuff away. The opera boxes at the Mabel are pretty stunning. Do you get to use those as props? What have you got going there? It's a really great question because I've I've talked to our cast about it and that the theater itself is a, is a character in the play. Uh, we, we've been rehearsing at the Theater Guild space, which is fantastic, but this week as we go into tech week, it's really when that extra character kind of joins the cast and we get to spread our wings and, and, and see the play take off in the space itself. And we call it kind of a play within a play. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, you get to see people in the time just post the uh, surrender at Appomattox, the theater folks assembling the set and talking about the time itself. John did a really great job setting the audience up to have a, have a context for the play. So you get a bit of the history at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then the curtain goes down. And when the curtain comes back up, you are essentially there at the, the night of the performance. We're talking with Melissa Neeland. She is uh, directing the Menominee Theater Guild's presentation of Black Friday. It's an encore. Been a while, though. This Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and next Friday through Sunday, you have uh, your work cut out for you. Eight performances, and your Saturdays are going to be kind of busy. Hmm? <laughs> yes, those two show days are, are a lot, but a lot of this cast has been waiting more than two years to do this production, and so... We're very excited to finally get out there and and share it. It's it's something that many in the community have have seen before and are anxious to see again, and then we get to introduce it to a whole new generation. So Mm -hmm. we're excited to, to get a lot of performances in to hopefully give everyone an opportunity to see it and experience it. Is it possible to give our audience an idea of the storyline without giving too much away? I mean, the cast, is this based on anybody who was there, or did uh, John Russell take a license and make some people up, or what happened? That's a wonderful question. So John, when he wrote this play, he went into incredible detail. So there are, are um, actors, when you're in the in the theater, that you will be close to at one point or another. Mm. Everyone in the play, all of the names you hear, those are the real people who were there. He did an incredible amount of research. The doctors and the audience members, the, the stage hands, and the actors themselves on stage who are, are in the play, our American cousin, are the actual people. Ah. So the detail he went into is really quite stunning. And and remembering he wrote this, you know, pre-internet when he couldn't just look up who was there. He he really dug in and created an entire world from that evening. Mm-hmm. So when you're there and seeing the show, you're seeing in the pre-play or the, the play before the opening of Our American Cousin, those stagehands are the real folks who are there. Then when the play itself happens, you're hearing names and actors' names that were the actual actors in the play. Wow. Yeah, so so it is it's it's a, a real homage to to John's eye for detail and and also um the night itself. You must be giddy just doing this play because you're a history person and you're in the Mabel Tainter Theater. I mean, come on, could it be any better? It's like dessert. It's, it's really it's really true. Um I know it sounds trite at this point saying how lucky <laughs> we are to have the Mabel and sure. and then John's play written for it, but I don't think at any point 
do any of the actors or um, or myself or anyone involved forget you can't forget how lucky we are to be doing it and as I said the the theater it is another character in this play mm -hmm. and so it, it it brings the whole thing to life we're so lucky to have that and and to be able to showcase you know the history with the historical society and the the amazing dedication of the theater guild the Menominee Theater Guild and then also of course the the Mabel Tainter um, mm -hmm. all coming together I think the resident ghost of the Mabel Tainter may invite Abe Lincoln's ghost to somehow <laughs> take this in. I think that would be uh, only apropos at the Mabel Tainter. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The Menominee Theater Guild, in case you didn't know it, is the oldest theater company in western Wisconsin. They've been doing their thing since 1958. And I have to comment, I, I don't know that I've ever seen it, but I really like that logo. That's cool with the spotlight. Isn't it fantastic? That's done by a, a local um, professor at Stout, Eric Evanson. He also did the, the new Mabel Tainter logo, and he's a wonderful person who also is in the play, as a matter of fact. Wow. He plays our, our, our evil mustache-twirling character. <laughs> Black Friday plays this Friday, the 6th of May. That's opening night, 7.30, then Saturday at 2 and 7.30, then Sunday at 2 o'clock in a matinee, and then next weekend as well, um, same schedule. Friday night, yeah. 7.30, Saturday 2 and 7.30, and Sunday at 2 p.m. Melissa, hey, it's been fun talking to you. You're a fascinating <laughs> individual, and I think you're tailor-made for being here, and uh, we're happy to have you in our midst. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for uh, the time to talk about this great show. I appreciate it. Spectrum West on Wisconsin Public Radio. Good to be back, even with the sniffles. Spring is here. Lots going on. Friday evening, here's a memo. It's Brahms in Spring with the Chippewa Valley Symphony Orchestra. 7.30 p.m. RCU Theater Pablo Center. Special guest pianist Kenny Broberg. PabloCenter.org is the website. They're going to mix a little Beethoven in there too for you. Fingers are crossed for an outdoor festival this Saturday with the kind of weather all the planning and activities deserve. It's the River Prairie Festival Celebration of Art, an entire day designed to captivate, entertain, and sustain every member of your family or collection of friends. There's lots of information, so let's get to it with Becca Coleman representing the Eau Claire Area Economic Development Corp. Economic development has been something that Eau Claire and Altoona and surrounding areas have been very good at in the last uh, couple of decades, maybe even longer. People who might have been away might not recognize it when they come back. I hear that all the time from people that they went to college here and then they come back and see what's new here or they went to high school with me and then they moved away and now they're back. The same thing is like, you know, I work downtown and even downtown is a buzz all the time, but there's so many other developments in the area bringing tourists in and jobs in. It's just an exciting time to be in Eau Claire. Yeah, and since we're talking about a festival that's going to be held there, let's hone in on the River Prairie District, because that is certainly one of those places. 25 years ago, looked a lot different than it does today. I moved here in 1990, and it was shortly thereafter they started debating the uh, Highway 53 bypasses, inner bypass and an outer. I'm guessing that many people uh, are kind of happy that they chose the inner corridor, because that's worked out really well for Altoona. 
It sure has. River Prairie is, um, I think the whole development is full now, and they're looking for other land, other areas to house that kind of development. So that whole area where River Prairie Drive is, that was just what? Weeds. Yes, absolutely. And think of Maple Manor. That was like the outskirts of Eau Claire kind of getting into Altoona. You know, it's it's expanded so far to the east um, with development and other exciting things. Pretty awesome. That's the voice of Becca Coleman, Eau Claire Area EDC, Economic Development Corporation. Our specific topic is the River Prairie Festival Celebration of Art. This Saturday, it's from 10 to 4. Lots going on within those uh, six hours. So, Becca, we should get to work letting people know what's coming up. It's a big festival, but it's kind of the kickoff for all the stuff coming up because lots of stuff goes on. Yeah, yeah, River Prairie Festival started, yeah, I think it's on its fifth year right now. This year we added in the Celebration of Art as the feature. You know, the EDC partnered with the city of Altoona to help highlight the importance of the art community is in this area. So many things going on that day. And you're right, Al, it does kick off all the programming that River Prairie Park has for the summer. They have two nights a week where they have live music and then tons of different festivals. And it's a fun place to be with your family as well as for eating and drinking and other other commerce in the area. Here's what's coming up Saturday. Tough to uh, imagine that somebody could fit all this in to six hours, but they're going to. Uh, there is an artist market. There is live music. And these all happen at different times. There will be food trucks and carts, family dance party uh, in the amphitheater. There's yoga in the park on the Great Lawn, a rubber ducky race, Mother's Day potting and planting. There's a cribbage tournament. I know a lot of guys who love to play cribbage. I was going to call them and say, hey, you know, you should really test yourself and get down and try that. There is a, a giant pumpkin class. Pretty cool. And there's a plant giveaway. So if you uh, you know want to grow one of those giant things, you might be able to win one. And there's literary readings, mural painting, and there is a birding walk. And da, 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 da. that wasn't a very good <laughs> fanfare, was it? I'm kind of nursing a cold. It's not coming out well. Tell us about the Take the Mic. It's a cover song competition. Yeah, we added this event this year to highlight um, local talent in the area with a kind of amateur talent show. On Saturday, we're going to have two different rounds, uh, a preliminary round and then the finals later in the day. There's going to be two different heats, a a youth and an adult, and it's a cover song contest. So you just either plug your phone in or your your, uh, guitar in and sing a cover song, and we have some volunteer judges that are going to... um, select a winner based on entertainment value and just like how the crowd gets into the song. But the goal here is to really highlight local talent kind of in an amateur way, but it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It, it, it fits with the theme of the celebration of art. Vocal productions is, is an important part of the talent ecosystem here that, that Tipple Valley has. So we're pretty excited about that. So all those people listening who want to take their talent uh, beyond the shower, the registration deadline was yesterday. Times for people to perform are being assigned as we speak. Yep, and, then, and if people want to come watch the, the early round, it starts at 11 o'clock at the small stage. But then if they want to watch the finals, that's at about 1 o'clock on the amphitheater. That will be the really exciting part. Before we started recording, you promised the weather was going to be nice, did you not? I do promise the weather will be quite fantastic, so definitely show up on Saturday at River Prairie Center. It's fun talking to people in uh, economic development, especially around here. There are some economic development offices, they sit around playing solitaire on their computer and (laughs) kind of feeling like the Maytag repairman, but you guys in the Eau Claire area, so much going on. We're feeling pretty good about things, aren't we? 
Yep, absolutely. We hear all the time from businesses that want to move to this area, like what makes your community special? Why do I want to move my business here? Why do I want to move my employees there? And highlighting our art scene and things to do outside of the workplace is really um, an initiative that we've taken at the EDC is to remind people, employers and incoming employers, why it's great to be here and live here and bring your business here. What a weekend. Mother's Day, and then Cinco de Mayo gets everything going beforehand. Becca, thanks. If they want more information on the whole deal, you can go online to riverprairiefest.com. How do people peruse information and get to know the EDC better? We have a website, and then we're also on social media as well. So the Eau Claire Area Economic Development Corporation, that can be your Google search, and you'll find us and what you know things we're working on, areas in this community that we're trying to highlight and bring more business and diverse businesses into this area. Fun to read. It's exciting stuff. Becca Coleman, thanks. All right. Thank you so much. Huh? What a busy spring. Oof. I'm Al Ross. This is Spectrum West. Good to have you along. Here's another memo. 7.30 Friday evening, Zorn Arena. Yes, Zorn Arena at UW-Eau Claire presents its first major concert since 2019. Rapper Bryce Vine and special guest opener Landon Conrath are there. I looked at videos of both those people. Really good stuff. Tickets just 15 bucks online. Pre-show, $20 on Friday. Community members, just going to cost you 25 bucks. But that's also a bargain, isn't it? Well, the weather's warmer and some theater company schedules are heating up. We have no less than those three previews we've talked about this week. First glance... Well, we're going to, to Rice Lake now, where the Northern Star Theater is in the middle of presenting Steel Magnolias, the timeless story of the peaks and valleys one encounters in life and in friendship. Nicole Sabatke Orson is the director of Steel Magnolias, and she also is lighting director on all other productions for Northern Star. She's here with details on this play and a popular Northern Star fundraiser that's back this year and coming up next week. Three down, three to go. How did the first weekend go? Oh, it went really well. Yeah, it's such a great story. The part I love is when the audience is so caught up in the story. Like, there's not a sound in the room Really. by the time you get to the last scene. It's wonderful. You know, from a director standpoint, that's what you want. Like, people to be so engaged and so vested that mm-hmm. I call it the aha moment. Yeah. But they weren't going <laughs> yeah. aha. They were quiet. They were very quiet. Yeah, in the moment. Hear a pin drop. Yeah. Let's refresh our audience on Steel Magnolias. We all know the name. The movie, uh, which made it very famous, it's been a while Uh since that was out, 1989. Sally Field and Julia Roberts and Shirley MacLaine, Dolly Parton, Olympia Dukakis, and Daryl Hannah. You know, over the weekend, I did some more reading on it. I guess I forgot that it was based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the author's sister. Yeah. Yeah. So you're... Ca- and, oh, go ahead. Well, and I just... I mean, I, everybody's seen the movie. I mean, it was such a great cast, you know, and know. the story. And it's like, you know, we know it, but to see it live on stage, it gets you different feels. This the characters. What's great about the play is that... And the playwright, it's a great story. 
like we can all identify with one of the characters that come in at Truvy's Beauty Shop. I I think that's what makes it so powerful is, you know, you can see a little bit of yourself in somebody and, you know, you laugh and then we know you cry, but then you laugh again. Just the strength of the friendships. It's probably one of the better titles. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. Hear it at the end when she talks about... I don't want to give it all away if somebody hasn't been familiar yes, with the story. Yeah. But she talks about men and that they're supposed to be made of steel. And that's where you pick up that it's really a story about the strength of women and sure. the strength of friendship. Your cast includes uh, some high school seniors plus some stage veterans. Back to the movie and just a curiosity of mine. Is it good for the cast of a play like this to watch the movie? Um, You know, I, in this case, We all watched the movie, and I think it is because the movie was very well done. They do such a good job with the characters in the movie. Obviously, it's different because they bring in some male characters, and they change the setting. The play is all set in Truvy's Beauty Shop, but the characters are just so true. So in this case, I think it, it really worked because of how well that movie was done and how well it was cast. The women are all sass and brass, it says. With with the fact that this takes place in a beauty shop, it says through clouds of hairspray and over the buzz of blow dryers, etc. How were you able to pull off that stuff on stage? That would be tough. The actors got some extra training so that they can add that to their resume someday. It was really fun. We worked with Deja Youth Salon. They had a couple of training sessions for Truvy and Annel because they're doing hair and they're giving manicures. So they actually do hairstyles on stage. We kind of fake our way through a manicure, especially the first scene. It's Shelby's wedding day. So she's getting her hair in an updo done by Truvy. Beth Halverson plays Truvy. She um, got some extra practice with real hairstylists on how to put the hair up and make it look pretty. That aspect for me is what really also helps bring you into the story. Like you're really, I wanted people to feel like they were at the beauty shop. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, and we got the chairs, you know, that spin at the beauty shop and the dryers. But we don't actually, of course, can't turn the dryers on. It is still a play and people want to hear. So we don't turn them on. And then when we do the hairspray, we just mock the motions, but we don't really spray it. Sure. It doesn't smell the best. I've had quite a few people say, wow, it's really cool. Like they're actually like talking and having this conversation while you're doing hair, just like you do when you're at a beauty shop. Yep. So when mm-hmm. I say yup, like I know. Like, you know. <laughs> I haven't done that. Sorry. In fact, the place I get my haircut is a beauty shop. I just can't go in when there are perms because I can't stand the smells. Give me a time when I can come in and there are no perms that day. We worked on with the cast too. When you're getting your hair done and you're in the beauty shop, there's a lot of conversation that goes on with you looking in the mirror. Like you don't turn and look at the person. Mm -hmm. You're talking to each other using the mirror. And so we have the chairs set up so that they're looking at the audience through the mirror and the audience is on the other side, which I mean, it's an interesting study when you, you know, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm going to do this show. I'm going to observe what really happens at the beauty shop. And I'm like, it's what we all do. And then we read a magazine and you jump in the conversation in and out, you know, that part was fun. We're talking with Nicole Sabatke Orson. She is directing Steel Magnolias for the Northern Star Theater in Rice Lake. They had uh, three performances this past weekend, and they have three more coming up tonight and then tomorrow night, and then you have a Sunday matinee, is that right? Yes, Sunday at 2, correct. So Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. So they get Saturday off. The six females that were cast for the movie and are cast for any kind of play, they are six distinct individuals. And I'm sure they were cast for their ability to play that part. Do they have creative license to inject the person they are? How does that go? 
all of them identify with the characters that they're playing and bring that to the front. I feel like they are some of the characteristics already of the people that they're playing, which helps them emit the right emotions and the right actions. Like I said, it was interesting because they had to learn how to do hair, what they don't do in their real life. Well, they will from now on. They will now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the special abilities. It, it worked out, you know, when they're doing auditions and you cast and you hope you're picking the right people. And then, you know, when it works out, it's just, it's really great. You get that synergy going. I want to bring up, simply because it sounds like it's going to be fun, but I want to talk about Glamorous, the fundraiser. It's Friday, May 13th, out at Turtleback. Is yeah, it... and Saturday. It's Friday and Saturday, 13th and 14th. Yeah. I went to the Facebook page and I watched uh, some of the uh, the uh, uh, ladies. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah, know, from the yeah. Twin Cities. So tell us about it. What is it? It's a fundraiser. I did go to the first one, which they had last fall. And it's just something new to bring to Rice Lake that probably hasn't been here before. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a great turnout and a wonderful time. Really great performers. They're doing a silent auction this year as well. From the Twin Cities, the city's finest drag divas will be here for a spectacular evening of entertainment. The Northern Star Theater has five great shows in its season this year. Steel Magnolias playing now. Is it the Jungle Kids book or is it the Jungle Book Kids? Jungle Books. It's the Jungle Book for okay. kids. So okay. it's going to be, yep, their summer theater camp. Okay. And Little Shop of Horrors. Got to say that right on the radio. Otherwise, it doesn't sound right. Boeing, Boeing, and the best Christmas pageant ever. Are you going to be involved in any of the others? Yes, I will be doing the light design for all of the shows. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting Yeah, that. I will yeah. do that. That's okay. All right, since you're a lighting director, do you get instructions with the paperwork that comes with a play, or is that all up to you? It depends on the play. Sometimes you get a little bit, like the mood, like they'll say, oh, it's daytime, or it's night, mm. or, you know, but a lot of it is just reading the script and understanding, like, what's the mood they're looking for. Do you run it all during the thing, or do you let somebody else do that? You know, in the past few years, I've been letting other people do it. It, it depends. <laughs> now I pick and choose my shows. Terrible. Um, but well, you yeah. should be. That's good. I yeah. mean, if it's but you know, I just did a show and they it was a hard one, but they did great. So, mm-hmm. um, I like to get more people involved. Lighting is something where you do it all up front before the show. Like people don't ever see you do lighting design because we need it dark. You know, so you can't have people walking around the stage because they can't see. And we're bringing lights up and down. So it's it's something that you do without anybody there. So it's it's all a pre-work. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it works well to bring people in because then when they're doing the show, it's all on a program. You're basically just giving the, the system a command to move to the next step at that point where uh, sound is much more, you know, in the moment. The Northern Star Theater uh, website also talks about youth in the arts. Explain that a little bit. That's a summer deal, right? It's a summer deal. Um, During the year for the season, they always have shows that kids can be in Um, pre-COVID. We would do family shows, we call them, where it's like Fiddler on the Roof. So you could have a family be in the show, Uh mom, dad, and the kids, um, which was always great. And so now they're really going to grow more. I think they're doing the summer camp two weeks, but I could Mm. be wrong on that. Um, And they meet all day where it used to be just a couple hours in the afternoon or in the evening. Now they're, um, that'll be an all day camp. They'll work on the show and then they'll perform the show over a weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really growing. And it's kids, they like it and they don't, you know, for the summer, they don't have theater, you know, if it's not connected with the school. So 
um, it's a good outlet for them. Yeah, I could yak till the cows come home, but all people have to do is go on the Internet and go to nstcricelake.org, and they'll get all the information that Uncle Al forgot. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Me. Nicole, thank you, and uh, good we luck on the final show. <clears throat> Thanks for your time. Thank you. So nice to have you along on this week's edition of Spectrum West. It's Thursday. It's Cinco de Mayo. I love that holiday. I don't know why. Well, I guess it's the food, maybe. Well, spring and fall art tours took a hiatus for a couple seasons, but they're back and bound to be busy, including this weekend as people like you and me emerge for the 21st Earth Arts Spring Tour. St. Croix Valley Roads are links to 21 tour stops and over 40 artists ready to help us renew and revitalize. Deborah Stull-Kinsley is one of those 40 and also the one assigned to be its voice. I'm going to rattle off some stuff here. Your bio is fun to read on the website, how you came into the world in California, then came to Iowa, then St. Paul. Your art career started at the ripe old age of nine. You got some education, then found yourself married and living in North Dakota. You bounced around from art to education, grabbed a bachelor's degree, worked in healthcare communications, moved with your kids back to Minnesota, got a master's degree, worked at the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation, remarried, redid a neglected lake cabin, and through all of that, you have pursued art or should we say that it has pursued you? And you are described, from what I've read, as a lifelong learner. Does an artist like you continue to learn, or at this stage, do you settle on something you like and are good at it? That's the joy of being in art, or in any field that you have a passion for. The desire to keep learning and keep growing and expanding your skills and talents. At this stage of my life, I am still having such a good time learning from others. I'm tapped into several artists that I feel are really mentors to me. Um, I continue to learn from them too as what technique works best or you know how do you apply watercolor in this situation. I think for art that's part of the joy of it is that you're continually learning. See we've learned a lot about Deborah Stahl Kinsley. She's on the phone with us. She's a proprietor of Wild River Arts that's uh, in or near Balsam Lake and she is also the spokesperson for the 21st annual Earth Arts Spring Tour, which covers the upper St. Croix Valley. It's Friday through Sunday this weekend, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day, 21 tour stops, 40 artists. Wow, that's big. It's easy to see why it's three days, uh, given that size. But uh, this is kind of an extra special year because uh, we now know what it's like to not have spring and fall art tours. I've always thought of arts groups and uh, their tours as similar to spring flowers. They just pop up despite any harshness. Well, it is a joy to be back because it's been a long season. And I think, you know, just going through this winter too, it's been a long season for us up here in the North Country. So it is like spring flowers. I like that analogy. We do need that resurgence of color. I've been kind of hanging around greenhouses too in my free time now. <laughs> just kind of capturing green. It's really fun. And it's been a long season of being um, under the pandemic, not being able to maybe display art. So for many of these artists that are coming out, this is the first time they've had their studios open. Many of them chose not to because of health concerns. And so this is really a celebration of um, art coming back in the Northern Valley. 
You know, you just gave me an idea. For the people who can't or don't want to go south in the winter at all, everyone who has one should open their greenhouse. People come in and just stand there for a while. Yes. And remind themselves what warmth feels like and what growth smells like. I mean, they could even set up little tiki bars in the... (laughs) Exactly. In the greenhouse, and people could pretend they are somewhere tropical. If I owned a greenhouse, I'd be all over that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so details on this year's uh, Earth Arts Spring Tour. We have live demonstrations. One of them is at Pat Duncan's studio. She'll be oil painting during the day, and she has a lovely studio right on the banks of Bone Lake in Polk County. And then up at Iron Goat Studio north of Frederick, and I understand he has a barn gallery and then in the back is the blacksmith shop it sounds like a fabulous place jim williams will be demonstrating contemporary sculpting he'll also be doing an aluminum pour at 1:30 on all three days and joyce halverson will be up there she's a blacksmith and so she'll have her coal forge demonstrating uh, blacksmithing mm. she also meshes metals together so she sometimes does copper with the steel and that's an interesting process too And then I think there'll just be other ones with artists maybe painting in their studio or making jewelry in their studio as you go through. I was going to bring up Joyce Halverson's name because I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like in the Wild West when somebody rode into town and their horse needed new shoes and they went to the barn and here was a female blacksmith. I'm trying to imagine Festus from Gunsmoke walking into that barn. That would be just magic stuff. I don't think that probably happened very often back then. I don't think so either, and she is such a great inspiration, I think, for other women. Joyce started out at the University of Minnesota and took a class, I think, just on a sideline to do ferrying so that she could earn a living to going through school and everything else, and um, out of this has sprung all this interest in doing custom work, blacksmithing and forging. Just a wonderful gift that she has. So you have the stops, you have the demonstrations, all the wonderful artwork. It's a great way to spend one or all three days. Tell me about the oases that are there in case people get uh, hungry and thirsty. These are great supporters, and they'll also have artwork in them, too. So Cafe Wren in Lux, Halen's Tap and Grill in Frederick, Amory Ale Works, and the Farm Table um, Restaurant in Amory are the four Oasis stops. Yeah. And I think there'll be refreshments and light refreshments at other places, too. But those are such great, consistent supporters of the art community in this area. It's going to be fun. It's this weekend, Friday through Sunday, May 6th through 8th. Deb, uh, we could talk forever about all the details. Tell people in our audience where they can get the vital brochures, because that tells them how to get from point A to B to C to D to D, whatever. And and what's on the website, which is EarthArtsWisconsin or EarthArtsWI.org. Where can they get the brochures? It's right on that website. Just go in and find Spring Tour. It's a PDF that you can download. Again, it's at EarthArtsWI.org. And it's a full-color brochure that's got the map in the center of it. And so that will give you the locations and addresses of everything that you're looking for. You can also pick up brochures at galleries in the area and Polk County information. Most of the towns or chambers in the towns have brochures that you can pick up, too. And the brochures, I'm sure, will list many of the uh, contributions of sponsors and advertisers, too, because that's important. You couldn't do this without them. Deborah Stahl-Kinsley. 
thank you as usual. Have fun on the Earth Arts Spring Tour. Thanks for filling in our audience, and have a great weekend. Well, you too, Al. Thank you so much. I continue to celebrate Cinco de Mayo with a little tunage. Hmm. Cha-cha-cha. I see you shuffling. Good for you. Hey, I continue to learn many things uh, each week on this program. I stumble over information that's always been there. I simply haven't walked the path before. The Pirates of Penzance is a very old play, an enduring comic opera. Hmm. I knew the names Gilbert and Sullivan, but had I taken more music classes long ago, I might have learned that they were Victorian-era guys. Now I know, so better late than ever. Anyway, the Chippewa Valley Theater Guild proudly presents The Pirates of Penzance, opening in a week, and the director is Nate Plummer, a familiar name on our artistic block. Well, because you are the guy willing to go on the radio, you get some publicity about what it is you do when you're not directing plays. The phrase is, industry training as easy as coffee with a friend. Stage Door Unlocked. What's that all about? Stage Door Unlocked is online training for actors and other theater professionals around the country. I have worked with performers doing everything from community theater, like here in the Chippewa Valley, to regional theaters like Chanhassen, the Guthrie, as well as Broadway national tours and actual performances on Broadway. You do it remotely as well. Did the pandemic experience yep. change how you do things? Actually, we were we were entirely set up for online. We will have been open for seven years in June. Our business model from the get-go was doing the online training. We were one of the very fortunate businesses in the industry to be able to just keep working and do everything we were doing. The only things that changed were just what our clients were working on. I love the line, we speak fluent actor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So is it only actors that you work with or who is welcome? We work with performers kind of doing everything from obviously the acting world, both on stage and TV film work. We have several clients that have done projects for Netflix and Lifetime, but Mm -hmm. we also have people who are professional cantors at churches around the country, people that do voiceover work, even lawyers that do a lot of presenting to a jury, doing opening and closing arguments, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we work with anyone that needs to develop those skills they might need to convey their message or, as we like to say, tell their story in the most effective way. In your relatively uh, few number of years, you're not an old guy. You (laughs) have already done a lot of traveling. Yes. Uh, You were with Missoula and and others, so you had the chance to see other places where theater and music and the arts are big parts of the fabric of life. So you, maybe maybe more than most, can probably offer a fact-based opinion on uh, Western Wisconsin's stature as one of those places. We like to think of ourselves as pretty hip when it comes to our diet of things artistic. How, from your travels, do we compare to others you visited and actually lived in? I think one of the things that has always stood out to me with the Chippewa Valley and one of the reasons why I I came back after doing all of the, like you mentioned, the different theaters with the different parts of the country was that there just is so much here. How many community theaters right in one area? And 
it has always surprised me that I can be around the country and people will recognize the names of our theater groups, whether that is the Chippewa Valley Theater Guild or the Eau Claire Children's Theater, the university gets recognized as well, that this, it is a community that people have heard of in the theater and the performing arts industry. And I think that in itself says a lot of what the Chippewa Valley has to offer, not to mention the groups that we come in, especially with the the Pablo mm-hmm. and the, the groups that they're able to bring in. I think there's there's just so much love for the arts and not to mention the talent that we have yeah. in, in the area as well. So I think it, it really is a special place to get to be creating art. Nate Plummer on the phone with us. He's actor's coach, owner of Stage Door Unlocked. But the specific reason that we wanted to yak with him today is he's directing the Pirates of Penzance playing Jamp Theater, Pablo Center, evening shows next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the 12th through 14th, and matinees Saturday and Sunday, the 14th and 15th. Um, Nate, your credits include a whole bunch of musicals. Doesn't list Pirates as something that you've performed in. Give us a, a quick idea of what this play is about. Yeah, Pirates of Penzance was a totally new adventure for me, both as a as a performer and as a director. It's obviously a show that has been around since the late 1800s. It tells the story of Frederick accidentally apprenticed to the Pirate King and his band of rollicking pirates. He has been apprenticed to them until his 21st birthday, and the show starts at the celebration for his birthday Mm -hmm. when he decides he's going to leave the pirate life behind. And when he does, he meets the young, lovely maiden Mabel and her family, and he instantly falls in love. And as the show progresses, we realize he was actually born on leap year. And so even though he has just turned 21, Mm -hmm. the contract says his 21st birthday, and he has to decide, does he follow the girl that he loves or does he stay bound to his duty that was signed in the contract and live out the rest of his indentured years with the pirates Mm. that story that idea of slave of duty is something that was definitely being parodied by gilbert and sullivan when they wrote the show a lot of people don't realize gilbert and sullivan wrote basically opera versions of snl sketches (laughs) so the ideas that they were poking fun of are things that in our current world and current society, we might not be able to pick up on all of those references. So trying to figure out how to bring that to the Chippewa Valley in a more modern sense was definitely an adventure that we've had a lot of fun working on. Had they lived longer or been in in our generation, they might have uh, had a job with SNL. (laughs) Oh, very much so, yes. What if you're not a comic opera fan? Are there Gilbert and Sullivan songs that leapt off the stage and onto popular playlists? Are there songs we might recognize? Absolutely. I had fun looking Absolutely. at some of them, and I, I love the Major General song. Model of a modern major general, I've information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England and I quote the parts historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. I'm very well acquainted to his math as mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. About binomial theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. Oh, lot of news. Yes, with many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. <laughs> 
very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings animalculus. In short, in matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. That's usually the one that most people recognize, whether they recognize it as the actual song, I am a very model of a modern major general, yeah. or if they recognize the Tom Lair wow. spoof of it for all the elements on the periodic table, another version <laughs> of that song that, that people recognize. It is a show that is parodied and referenced by so many other musicals and is referenced on TV. I can specifically remember there's an episode of Tim Allen's show, Home Improvement, where characters sing songs from Pirates of Penzance in the episode. And so that was something that kind of reverse engineering it, our production takes place in a theater. So it is a theater company doing Pirates of Penzance. So it is the show that people will know and love, but you're watching all the backstage antics that go on with doing a show. And our exploration of that slave of duty concept is the idea that all theater artists feel the show must go on. And as part of that, we are referencing all of the different musicals that have spoofed Pirates over the years, but also all the different musicals that the Theater Guild has done to kind of bring in that parody feeling that Gilbert and Sullivan were trying to recreate. And so even if you're not a fan of that operetta style, if you are a lover of theater, whether you have been in the audience or on stage or backstage, this show really is a true love letter to theater and to the 40 years of Hmm. the Chippewa Hmm. Valley Theater Guild. Cool. I, for one, would not want the part of the guy who has to sing that song. I wouldn't want to have to remember those lyrics. And one of the founders of the Chippewa Valley Theater Guild played this role back when it was done in the 80s. And it has been cool to see a totally different take Hmm. on the role. We have an incredible performer who's doing his first show with the Chippewa Valley Theater Guild playing the role of the modern major general. And it it is worth the price of the admission just to come see him not only get through all of the lyrics of Modern Major General, but he is seriously one of the funniest actors I have I have ever worked with. Good. Good to know. And a good promotion, by the way. Nice job. Uh, <laughs> I recall my uh, chat with Peter Noon a few years ago when he came to perform in Eau Claire with Herman's Hermits, and he had a run with yes. this play. I uh, yes. I have not seen a play. How is Jam Theater set up for a play? Because there's no stage proper. Right. What's nice about the Jam th- is it's a black box. It is a big open space that we can reconfigure depending on what show we're doing. A lot of times we use what's called a thrust stage, which is a three-sided arrangement. Mm -hmm. So you get to sit on three sides of the stage rather than just staring at the picture frame Mm -hmm. like in a true proscenium space. This allows the audience to be a lot closer. They're able to see sides and angles that they might not normally be able to see in a show. And that has been a very interesting challenge for Pirates of Penzance because the show was written for the traditional proscenium space. And so a lot of the stage conventions, such as characters just popping up from hiding behind set pieces and things, we can't really do because Mm -hmm. the audience can see us at all times. And so figuring out how to still do some of those things has been a real interesting challenge for our cast because a lot of them haven't 
performed in this style of space. Mm -hmm. This arrangement is one that has become a little more consistent. I know that Children's Theater has used it. We're using it. The university has used it. It's a cool space to perform in. It's a challenge because it doesn't fit what so many of us are used to, but I think this is going to be a show, and obviously any director can (laughs) boast about their own show, but from my perspective, one of the concerns I had was this is just such a musically challenging show. The fact that we have the cast that we have singing this show, the majority of them are vocal performance majors from the university. So we have, I think, one of the most impressive walls of sound that I have heard come out of a community theater show in a long time. It is definitely worth, if you like the music, this is going to be one to to come to for sure so you don't have to slow down the uh, major general song no actually we were like can we do it faster (laughs) oh really yeah there's a bit in the show where he actually asks the conductor to play it faster oh my and so (laughs) yeah it's quite a feat and he's he's absolutely brilliant at it and what i think a lot of people miss in that song is he has to sing it all but then the chorus echoes him and they have to sing it at whatever speed he's doing too. That is the other challenge with being in the jam is that our orchestra is actually up in the balcony. Ah. So trying to coordinate, you know, making sure that everybody is staying together is, is mm. also another challenge. Well, I got to say, we're excited for the uh, opening of uh, Pirates of Penzance. It opens next Thursday, the 12th Jam Theater, Pablo Center. Uh, CVTG.org is the website. And if you want to learn more about Nate Plummer, the guy we've been talking to and who is directing the Pirates of Penzance, you can go to Stage Door Unlocked. There's a lot of fun stuff to read there as well. Thanks for being with us here on Spectrum West. Keep us in your loop. Awesome. Thanks for having me out. Wow, what a packed show this week. Hey, got to get this in. If you're listening Thursday, tonight is the final UW-River Falls Symphonic Band Concert of the Year 730 Abbott Concert Hall. Okay, tickets at the door. So take it in if you can. Congratulations, by the way, to all the graduates celebrating jobs well done at our educational outlets, high schools all across west and northwest Wisconsin, as well as our esteemed houses of higher learning in Eau Claire, Menominee, River Falls, Rice Lake, even Superior and Ashland, if you can hear me up there. All the places you'll go. I'd like to thank Rick and Kate for the exposure, and thank you all for being part of this. Coming up next week, the Eau Claire Chamber Orchestra, a special vocal performance we'll talk about. We'll talk about the impact of the arts. It's very impressive, and there are new facts and figures. And later this month, we're going to feature a chat with Don McLean. Yeah, that Don McLean, American Pie. He's on a 50th anniversary tour. Thanks again for listening to Spectrum West. Catch an archived version of WPR or a podcast of the show. My name is Al Ross. Thanks to everybody who's part of it. And again, to you. See you next week.